We're all very different. And the impact our lifestyle has on our health can be very different too. The way we eat, exercise, socialise, work, relax and live all have a role to play. Your lifestyle can actually affect your health far more than your medical care. So how can we see the ways these elements interact? The truth is, you're already recording most of them via phone apps and social media. But other public services can hold data clues too, like who you live with, how much green space you have within reach, or what the transport links are like in your community. So what if this data could be shared digitally, securely, and with your consent to help lead to better health decisions? Your GP advises you based on what they can see and what you tell them, but if they can see data about your life from habits such as eating and activity, they would be in a much better position to help support you. From your physical health to your psychological well-being, essentially, the bigger the picture, the more they could do to help you. But how do you feel about data sharing aimed at keeping you well? Where and how do you think it would work best? How would you want to stay in control? And what kind of data would you not want to share? The My World, My Health project wants to find out what you have to say on this subject. Hello everyone, my name is Carmen and I'm the Digital Health and Care National Lead at the Health and Social Care Alliance. Our vision is for Scotland where people of all ages who are disabled or living with long-term conditions and unpaid carers have a strong voice and enjoy their right to live well as equal and active citizens, free from discrimination with support and services that put them at the centre. I am here to tell you about a piece of work that we at the Alliance are currently doing, the My World, My Health project. In a nutshell, the My World, My Health project looks at how data could be used to help us stay well. While the project is run by the Alliance, with support from the Digital Health and Care Innovation Centre, it is actually commissioned by Nesta on behalf of the Scottish Government. Nesta is an innovation foundation. They work in areas where there are big challenges facing society, from the frontiers of personalised healthcare to stretched public services and fast-changing jobs market. Nesta is based in the UK, but works with partners around the globe to bring bold ideas to life and change lives for the better. Our project is part of a piece called Data Dialogues that is run by Nesta. Its aim is to work with Scottish citizens to better understand their opinions and ideas for the use and sharing of health and care data, and to explore alternatives or possible futures together. The Scottish Government will use the findings from this and other work to develop their approaches to data sharing and service design. To help us better grasp the topic of the My World, My Health project, we caught up with two colleagues from the Digital Health and Care Innovation Centre who, as I mentioned, are providing support for the project and have extensive expertise around the topic of person-centred data. So, hello, Chal and Kate. Could I please ask you to introduce yourselves? Hi, yeah, I'm Chal Chute. I'm the Chief Technology Officer with DHI. Um, DHI is a Digital Health and Care Innovation Centre funded by the Scottish Government. Thank you. And I'm Dr. Kate Mark. I'm a public health doctor and I'm also a clinical innovation fellow with the Digital Health and Care Innovation Centre. Thank you. So just to start us off, Chal, would you be able to tell us about what we mean by health and lifestyle data? Yeah, sure. So when you're thinking about your your kind of holistic well-being, your individual behaviour, etc., you might typically have a wearable or a smartphone that collects step count. That would be the most basic kind of personal 
health and well-being data that most people with with internet connected devices would would be collecting as a matter of course um but you might also have someone who monitors their sleep um or someone that monitors their physical exercise so lots of uh, apps and tools to help with um uh, you know couch to 5k and lots of you know kind of map my run uh, style style tools um so there's, there's a kind of wide range but generally speaking physical activity sleep um diet uh, mental health. Um, these are the typical things you'd find in the in the kind of um, digital health consumer marketplace. Thank you. So that covers some of the types of data that we might have or collect about ourselves. But the topic of the project is also to look at the wider determinants of health. And I was wondering, Kate, if you could tell us a bit about what these wider determinants are. Sure. Um, when we think about the wider determinants of health, we think about things that might have an impact on our health beyond what the sort of traditional healthcare systems, which means sort of the NHS or healthcare providers such as your GP, hospitals and clinics. We know that the healthcare systems have a small impact on your health, a small but very important impact, but contribute about 10 to 20% to our health outcomes. The wider determinants of health actually have probably a greater impact on our health. These can include lifestyles, um, similar to what Chow was describing of how things can um, measure this data of what we eat and how much we exercise. And our lifestyles probably make up about 30% of our health rough outcomes. But also there's even wider determinants such as our housing, the neighbourhoods we live in, the communities we um, engage with, our education, our jobs, our income. Now, these are all linked, of course. If you live near a green, big green park, you might be more likely to exercise outside. And if there are strong cultural influences on your diet, it can be difficult to change this behaviour. Um, so we, we, we often try and work with these wider determinants linked with behaviours. Um, and we know these wider determinants can have a significant impact on our physical and mental health and well-being. And that can contribute up to about 40 to 50 percent of our health outcomes. So I suppose when we see a GP or nurse with a concern about our health or managing a long-term condition, it's often the consultations very much focused on the healthcare side, such as medications or a family history. And the only data available to that clinician is often the contact that they've had with other parts of the healthcare system. And so they get quite a limited view of what could have an impact on an individual's health. So if we were to collect and share data on these wider determinants of health, what would the public health impact be? Yeah, so data sharing can um, almost certainly help improve an individual, improve their health and well-being and feel better. Um, it can help the doctor or nurse look after a person as they might know more about what their exercise habits are like or what their diet is like. But it can also help improve the health of a population in general or public health, as I'm interested in, as long as the data is shared in a way that an individual understands and agrees with. So in public health, we look at the health of the population and try and improve the health in a fair and equitable way. We focus on prevention of disease through improving people's lifestyles and environments. And if we're only able to access the healthcare data, we'll be missing huge amounts of information about what can influence a person's health and opportunities to improve their health. So what we'd like to do is get a better understanding of the impacts on a particular population from sharing data. It could be anything from sort of understanding what a family's day looks like in the commute to school to educational levels across an area. And some of this happens already um, in a lot of research settings, but we, sort of, we feel that we could be a lot more innovative and a lot more proactive and targeted in preventing ill health if we're able to share data, such as um, the data that uh, 
Chell described as um, gathering, but also data across different sectors in society in a meaningful way. And in this way, we can look at trying to improve the health outcomes of both the individual and the community and, and the population of Scotland. Thank you for, for the sort of wider perspective. And then going from the general to the more individual, I was wondering, Chell, if you could tell us um, from your point of view, what implications data sharing data around health and well-being would have for Scotland's citizens? What rights should people have and what benefits might they get from this? So I guess, sort of reflecting on some of Kate's points there, the, the, the issue at the moment is that we have core medical data that is you know, understood and controlled and, and governed within <clears throat> health and care environments and, and you know, you know, overseen by kind of trusted professionals. Um, we have this kind of emergent digital health kind of consumer market, which is, as I said, wearables and physical activity trackers and apps and, and services on your phone, perhaps. Um, and, and that is more understood to be part of your digital health story because it is you know, much more obvious health, health information. Um, and, and so you're starting to see you know, some cooperation and some governance being extended to cover things like wearable data. But I guess the, the, the issue is when you're thinking about that, that, that broad, those broader determinants and the broader environment and sort of behaviors and, and, and networks around you, it's going to be when we start thinking about your smart meter data from your home, your energy consumption in the home, the temperature around you, the you know air quality. These things will affect your respiratory health. Um, and soon you as a person will be able to work with a range of technologies that you don't think of as well-being or health technologies uh, you know they're, they're quite far removed from those things you might have an online cv with a with a website that, that has your work history which is is pertinent um your housing status and, and how you how you describe describe that you know is, is pertinent but again we don't think of these things as health data um and so as a result they don't tend to be governed for that purpose if that makes sense. So it's a, it's a bit of a kind of wild west of, of everyone. Everyone is generating this data and it's being used and consumed with an organization that provides us a service for housing or energy or, you know, a supermarket or whatever it may be. Um, so, the, so the real challenge is, firstly, how can we educate the public to appreciate that this data may help them with their health um, and therefore to think of it in those terms? Um, and secondly, whilst we have... Um, data protection and privacy legislation, things like GDPR in place, that helps with compliance uh, around someone's privacy, but the spirit of it isn't really fully um, fleshed out yet. Um, citizens are not yet going to a supermarket and asking for their, their entitlement card data back around their shopping habits. That's not something, you know, typically, unless you're a, a bit of a geek like me, you, you don't go and put in a subject access request to a supermarket to get that data back um, and even if you did you wouldn't know what to do with it or who to bring it to if you, if you tried to bring your your club card data to to a gp they would you know that would be an interesting conversation to have in eight minutes let's put it that way um and, and so i think there's a, there's a there's a broader piece here which is um a bit of education but we also need the right kind of digital infrastructure to make it so that the data that comes out of these other systems is actually usable in, in, a, in a health and care or, or well-being context. But at the moment, it's incomparable. Um, so those are the two, the two big areas around education and interoperability. Thank you. And one of the big findings from 
the engagement that we did so far was that people want to, like you said, be in control of that information, know where it is, and be able to govern how they use it. Yeah, I guess the 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 first step towards control is knowing that it's yours. Most people don't think that that, that, that it is theirs. The energy consumption data in your own home through your smart meter is your data. So, so yeah. So first, you need to know that there is a problem to address it, um, uh, or first, you need to know there is an opportunity in order to um, capitalize on it. Um, so yes, yeah, so I think I think it's great that, that the work you're doing to to try and help raise that kind of awareness and start that discussion. Thank you, Kate. Is there anything you'd like to add? Well, yes, I would. Um, listening to to Chell talk about how an individual understands, and I completely agree with everything he says about the data belongs to the individual, and there is a huge amount for an individual to take on as understanding. But it's also not just about data because we could flood our healthcare systems with all this data. So it's it's about intelligence, or um, not just data collection, but applying intelligence to that data and enabling um, both the individuals and our society and our healthcare systems to understand how we can all benefit from this data. And we can all learn a lot more from each other about what we what we are recording about each other and what we can do with that to improve everyone's health. Thank you. I hope this conversation helped you get a better idea of what we mean by sharing data linked to wider determinants of health. If I may throw a few more scenarios in the mix, what if, for example, you could share information on your social activities with a support worker so that they could see if you might be at risk of isolation? And rather than having to give them all this data yourself every time, what if there were other ways to collect and share this data securely? Or perhaps your GP could see information or on major changes to your life, such as suddenly becoming a carer or changes in your employment. This may help them foresee if you are at risk of stress and discuss support options with you. Different organizations could perhaps also draw on anonymized data to design better services. Of course, as I mentioned before, these are just scenarios or provocations, if you wish. And what we really want as part of this project is to hear your views. Our survey will take about 20 minutes to fill in and it gives you the chance to voice your views on these issues by asking you to consider various statements and alternative scenarios. Once you complete the survey, you have the option to enter a prize draw for one of 25 vouchers, each worth £100. The findings from the survey will be analysed in parallel with the findings from our workshops and interviews and written into a report. We will also hold a public show-and-tell event in March, which will be open to anyone to attend to present our findings and get further feedback. Our report will be submitted to Nesta, who will then combine it with the findings from other projects that are currently going on and submit it to the Scottish Government for their review. If you want to stay up to date with these developments, you can go to the Alliance website www.alliance-scotland.org.uk or follow us on Twitter at TACScott. Thank you for listening. So find out more and get involved in the discussion by taking part in one of our online workshops.